Welcome to Kingdom.Think, where we are reading the Bible in one year, and today we're covering Ecclesiastes 9 and 10 and Revelations 11. Now remember, if you've listened to the previous episodes as we jump into Revelations, we're in the dark stuff, the stuff people don't like to read. So if you can acknowledge that, then, then you won't be so shocked. And we also come with a spirit of curiosity, right? Like, what does that mean? And it's okay with questioning things. Like, I don't understand. Why did God do it that way? Uh, does that include me? Does it not include me? How do I not? So you're going to have all those kind of questions, and that's perfectly fine. That's exactly what you want to do. You want to let your spirit wrestle with the realities because we're waking up our spirit. And why has our spirit been asleep? Well, so many reasons. Distraction, our culture, where we grew up, how we grew up, our busyness, honestly, um, what we do with our time, um, the thoughts we have in our head, um, whether we are in the Bible or not in the Bible, and including, you know, how we live our life. Are, are we so junked out with food that we just want to sleep and be sluggish and be grumpy? Or do we eat lighter food where life just seems a little bit more pleasant? So all those things affect our spirit spirit and our soul and our mind to be sluggish. And we're trying to wake that up um, so that the reason for waking that up so that when we read things like this revelations, um, our spirit knows how to discern, knows how to, um, um, our spirit knows how to marinate on it and get the revelation that it needs. So that's what's going to happen from here on out till, till, I don't know, like chapter 20, something like that. Um, things won't make perfect sense. If they did, then all the answers would be already answered, right? And there wouldn't be all these questions. There's tons of questions. Now, I'm going to just read the ending of chapter 11 because you ever heard someone say, you want the good news or the bad news? So let's go with the good news. The good news is on chapter, uh, verse 13 of chapter 11, I'm sorry, verse 15 of chapter 11. It says, the seventh trumpet was sounded. Remember, there was those seven trumpets. Now we're at the last trumpet. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Hmm, sounds like we're winning. Okay, and the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, we give thanks to you, Lord, Al- Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. So justice is happening. Then God's temple in heaven was opened, and within his temple was seen the the ark of his covenant. And there came flashes of lightning, rumbling, pails of thunder, and earthquakes, and severe hailstorms. So why is this considered the good news? Well, we haven't seen the ark of the covenant for a long time. And here it appears, which is a representation of God's presence. Um, so... I don't know what's happening on earth with the announcement of that seventh trumpet, but yeah, God's still in control. At least that's what it says in here, in that section that God's still in control. So what happens at the beginning of chapter 11? 
Um, I was given a reed with a measuring rod and was toiled. Go and measure the temple of God and the altar with its worshipers. But exclude the outer court. Do not measure it because it has been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on they will trample on the holy city for 42 months. So the, the they part and the Gentile part on the outer courts, there's already lots of questions. 42 months, that's about um, three and a half years. If you want to dig into numbers, numbers are super important. If you want to dig into where else in the Bible did it reference that things happen for 32, three and a half years, definitely worth digging into. I will appoint my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, which is not quite three and a half years, but it's pretty darn close. Clothed in sackcloth, they are the two olive trees and the two lampstands and they stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouth and devours their enemies. This is how one who wants to harm them must die. They have power to shut up the heavens so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. And they have power to turn the waters into blood and strike the earth with every kind of plague that as often as they want. So who could that be? Don't really know. You're going to have questions. Could it be Moses and Elijah? Because they were able to do some of these things. Or don't know. Now when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them. Okay, now we're mentioning the beast. Um, will attack them and overpower and kill them. Their bodies will lie in the public square in the great of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. So this great city is a representation or symbolic for evil, some area, some city that is just corrupt and evil. For three and a half days, again, the three and a half number for three and a half days some from every people tribe and language and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial the inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts because these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth so maybe moses and elijah maybe it symbolizes other prophets in current day you get to explore what you think, what your spirit thinks, or you get to just read it and say, uh, I don't really know what they mean. And that's okay too. But after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and terror struck those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they went up to the heaven in a cloud while their enemies looked on at that very hour there was a severe earthquake and a tenth of the city collapsed. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake and the survivors were terrified and gave glory to God of heaven. The second woe has passed. And the third woe is coming soon. So clearly the next chapter isn't going to be a nicey nice chapter if we have the third woe. Okay. Um, so yeah, and then we go into the seventh trumpet announced. So something's going to happen with the seventh trumpet, but I wanted to read the more happier part at the end of chapter 11. There you have it. Read it. See if you understand it. See what you think. Um, and, and be okay with the fact that, you know, people study this their whole entire lifetime and they don't quite get it. So if you get an understanding and you have peace with it or it changes the trajectory of your life to, to do 
to live differently, well, then it served its purpose. But as you continue to read it, you're going to even mature more and get better understanding. Because I got to tell you, the first time I read Revelations, yeah, I was a little nervous. I read through it, didn't understand a lot, and I was okay with that. And I didn't try to dig. My goal was not to dig. My goal was just to say that I read Revelations. That's about it. So here we are on Ecclesiastes 9 and 10, um, which I believe King Solomon wrote this book. That's just what my spirit is saying. Others wrestle with, did he really? I don't know. Um, However, the reason I say that is because it has a very doom and gloom feel to it. In the in the meat of it, it has a very doom and gloom feel. Um, and who would have the right to speak this way, King Solomon? That's why it makes sense to me. And even though he has doom and gloom, not only does he have the right, but he also messed up at the end of his life. So he wallowed in this doom and gloom. He had the wisdom of the knowledge of the, of how to see life and perspective. But he didn't know how to stop wallowing in it. So in other words, he had the information, but he just kept like, yeah, wallowing in it. And it sent him down a bad path. So it's okay to know the realities and the ugly and the evil of the world. It's okay to have the wisdom. Because you can't just go through life willy-nilly, just like, everything's fine. I'm not going to be happy. I'm going to be happy. No, you got to look at the challenges of the realities of life. But do you have the wisdom to separate yourself from it and not wallow in it and get stuck in it? I know a lot of us did in 2020 because a lot of evil was being exposed and we just kept dwelling on it and thinking about it. Do you have two choices? Not look at it at all and be ignorant or look at it, know the truth, and then get into the word and check your heart, check your mind and your spirit so that it doesn't consume you. And it did consume King Solomon at the end of his life. So chapter nine, I'm not going to read all of it, but let's just get a feel for what he's saying. So I reflected on all this and concluded that righteousness and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. But no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the dead, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything what happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts. While they live, and afterwards they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a a live dog is better than a dead lion." You feel his tone, his flavor. Maybe this one, some believe that it was after he totally messed up. Um, It's definitely towards the end of of his life, his older years, because you can just feel it. You can feel the difference between Proverbs, where he's just hopeful and just encouraging. And then you read this, and he's just like throwing up his hands while knowing that God is still in control, while knowing Okay, life is meaningless, but you have two choices. You live the way of the world, and your life is going to suck here on earth. This meaningless life has no meaning to it, because he didn't. Jesus hadn't come on the scene yet, so he didn't know what happens after death. 
But here on earth, this life, you have two choices. You go the way of the world, eat, drink, and be merry, and just, but, but do it from a perspective of, I don't care, I hurt people, I don't follow the rules, I'm not using discernment, or you choose God's ways. Eat, drink, and be merry while I'm with gratitude and appreciation and serving God and living um, the way we were taught in, in the law of Moses. So those are the two choices. And he says, I can't tell you what happens after death, but I can tell you if you choose the other way, you'll be miserable if you choose God's way. It'll be better, even though this whole life is meaningless. That's his whole point at this point. Um, from the living, so we're at verse 5. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. <laughs> they have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Okay, so he doesn't know that Jesus came because Jesus hadn't come yet. <clears throat> their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Um, okay, let's just jump down to verse this is so good though go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart for god has already approved what you do always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil so here on this earth because he doesn't know what happens after death here on this earth you do have two choices you don't know why things happen things are not fair but if you want to enjoy this life then um, always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil, meaning follow the ways of Moses' law. Follow the ways that God wants you to live. It's a better way. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of, your, of this meaningless life that God is giving you under the sun. All meaningless days, for this is your lot in life and your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead where you are going, there is neither working nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. <laughs> okay, so if there's a sarcasm, there's a cynicism, that's okay because he's still sharing an incredible message. Yep, yep, yep. Um, verse 12, moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net or birds are taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. That's amazing. Sometimes there's peace. Sometimes there's war. Sometimes you're born in a not great situation. Sometimes you're born in like a perfect situation. Either way, um, either way, life is meaningless and choose God's ways. Wisdom. Okay. Talks about being foolish. That, that's not... Just choose wisdom as opposed to wisdom is better than strength. Um, just choose wisdom instead of folly or foolishness. Chapter 10, as dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. The heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. We're going back to the heart posture. Check your heart, check your heart, check your heart. It's all about your mind and what you put in that is feeding your heart. 
Even as fools walk along the road, they lack sense and show everyone how stupid they are. <laughs> If a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offense, offenses to rest. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, the sort of error that arises from a ruler. Fools are put in many high positions, while the rich occupy the low ones. I have seen slaves on horseback, while princes go on foot like slaves. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stone may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered. If the axe is dull and its edges unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. So he goes on and on like that, just kind of explaining the comparisons. And I hope you're getting the underlining message. Hey, maybe this is the perfect book for somebody who just says being a Christian is just too hard. It's not worth it. Following God, this God you can't even see, is not worth it. Maybe Ecclesiastes is the perfect book for them because it aligns with him. But the underlining thing is a fool will have a miserable life. But a righteous person who's following God's ways will at least get to enjoy the fruits of his labor and at least get to have a lighter spirit in the arts here on this reality. So my goodness. Okay. That was Ecclesiastes nine and 10 and revelations chapter 11. There you go. My friends have a great day. See you soon.